0: Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 23, on page 1008 of the Pew Bible. This is the word of God. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. This is the word of God, and we thank him for it. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 23, on page 1008 of the Pew Bible. This is the Word of God. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking forward to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. This is the word of God, and we thank him for it. I was reading during the week about a few companies that were pivotal in the Second World War. And folks, some of the things that I discovered were absolutely shocking. Did you know, for example, Who provided the technological equipment that enabled the Nazis to run the Holocaust? IBM, whose computers we still use. Did you know that uh, Adolf Hitler hired a certain man to build a car for the Germans? That man was Dr. Ferdinand Porsche, that Porsche, who designed the revolutionary Volkswagen Beetle and you will never guess who designed the SS uniforms. Scott guessed Primark, nope. A certain fashionista called Hugo Boss. Each of these companies, in a certain degree anyway, has managed to hide their past. We don't tend to see a Volkswagen Beetle and think Hitler Mobile or Hugo Boss and think of the Nazi uniform. We probably, on the surface, associate Porsche and Volkswagen with quality cars, right Davey? Yeah. IBM with pretty reliable computer systems, and maybe Hugo Boss with high-quality material, top-notch stitching, and flattering, but daring designs. That right, Scott? He's the boss. But folks, even if we start digging into our own history, we might not have to go back too far before we find a black sheep in our family. And who knows, maybe it's us. A few skeletons in the cupboard. When I was preparing this week, I found a pretty big skeleton in the cupboard of someone that we think we know. Someone that we think we know very well. Not me, and I can see some folks getting very nervous. Don't worry, folks. It's Moses. When we go through Hebrews 11, and I do hope that you'll remember we've been looking at the big players of the Old Testament and how they have been saved by faith. In just the last few weeks, we've looked at, uh, by faith, Abraham and Sarah, by faith, Isaac, by faith, Jacob, and by faith, Joseph. So tonight, we would expect ourselves to find the next big player in the Old Testament, Moses, by faith, Moses. Except if you have your Bibles open to Hebrews 11 and look at verse 23 we'll find that verse 23 is not actually about Moses himself. Verse 23 is about the faith of Moses' parents. We read, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Here, the author of Hebrews could have gone straight in to the life of Moses. But instead, he puts in that little verse about the faith of Moses' parents. He doesn't even mention them by name. He just calls them his parents. I found that very interesting. If there's a difference in sequence in the Bible usually the author is trying to point us to something so that set me off on a mini quest not a distraction a mini quest why would the author of hebrews not name moses parents when obviously they were the ones who had the faith that this whole chapter is about so i did a little digging and it's not just the author of hebrews we know from a reading in Exodus, a book that Moses himself wrote, that Moses does not name his own parents. In Exodus 2.1, all that he says is, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. Imagine if you were asked to say a little something about your family, and all you could say was, Now a man from Belfast... Went and took as his wife a woman from Belfast. Why the lack of names? So I did a little bit more digging, not into a hole, I hope. What makes this even more interesting is that when we realize Exodus is the Greek title of this book, in Hebrew it's called the Book of Names. Moses is big into his names. Where do we find the name of God revealed, Yahweh? In Exodus 3. Even in Exodus 2.10, he tells us that Moses, he was called Moses because he was drawn up out of the water. And Moses means drawn. Moses even names the midwives in 1.15, Shifra and Pua, but not his own parents. Why would anybody tell us the name of their midwife that delivered them, but not their own parents? That, for me, draws even more attention to the case of the missing names. Maybe this is a sign of being in Hinch for three years, but I got really nosy about a seemingly unimportant detail. So I kept on looking. And lo and behold, Moses does eventually name his parents, but not until Exodus 6. And he gives a little bit of detail. And folks, it is a bit of a shocker. It is a big skeleton in the cupboard. We read in Exodus 6.20 that Moses' parents are called Amram and Jochebed. And Amram took as his wife Jochebed his father's sister. Moses parents were nephew and aunt no gasp imagine going on who do you think you are on the BBC drawing up your family tree and coming across that folks does that change how we might think about Moses that he was the son of Of what in reality is an incestuous sexual relationship. That might shock you, or you might be wondering, there, sitting there wondering, why is he telling us this? The reason that I think this is important is because it gives us a little bit of insight into who Moses is. Ironically, it's a relationship that would be forbidden under the law. From Leviticus 18 where Moses himself would write do not have sexual relations with your father's sister she is your father's close relative could you imagine writing that if you were Moses knowing that it was that relationship that had actually produced yourself we don't like speculation but as well as the knowledge about who you were Can you imagine what the social stigma of that would be like? Imagine being known as the man whose parents were aunt and nephew. Imagine growing up with that stigma around you. Imagine if that is how you were known. Folks if we do a little bit of digging in scripture, we find that humanly speaking, Moses actually doesn't seem to have a a whole lot going on for him. If his own family situation was a stigma, nobody would envy their situation in society. Imagine on top of that, if your race meant that you were doomed to work as a slave with back-breaking labor for the king of a superpower. And imagine that king, the leader of that superpower, got very paranoid about a rebellion and so decided to kill the newborn babies of the slaves to stop any possible uprising. And imagine Moses was one of those babies. Humanly speaking, Moses did not have a lot going on for him. But in the faith, in the faith that his parents had and that God would keep him safe, his parents hid him. Their past didn't define them, but certainly their faith would. And somehow, that act of faith would change everything. Because of that act of faith, this boy, this boy who's born into an incestuous family, bound to be a slave, facing a certain horror of death, he would find himself leaving the horrors of slavery, the evils of oppression, and being adopted by the very daughter of the king who had signed his death warrant and who oppressed his people. Imagine Moses now, Moses was no longer the Hebrew slave with the aunt and nephew social stigma or the death sentence hanging over his head. Instead, Moses was saved from all of that and Moses grew up as royalty. He grew up as the son of the king's daughter. Moses was saved from all that He was adopted, he was educated, he was loved. Moses became royalty, despite of his circumstances. And we know from Acts 7, 23, that that was Moses' life until he was 40 years old. 40 years old. I won't say it's the same age as Scott. But 40 years of being royalty... 40 years of not being the object of stigma or sorrow or mocking or slavery. So, folks, tonight I have a question for you. If you were in Moses' position, what would cause you to walk away from a life of privilege? What would cause you to walk away from a life of royalty? What would it take for you to walk away from the king's palace from everything that you had ever known, whose very own adopted culture was the opposite of everything that you knew? What would it take for you to leave a life of exaltation and go to a life of humiliation? What would it take for Moses to leave a life of exaltation and enter a life of humiliation? What would we choose? What would you choose? Would you rather be the prince of Egypt or be the son of a slave and his aunt? Royalty or slave? What causes someone to leave everything behind them? Well folks, we get that very answer. In Hebrews 11:26, 26. We read that it was because Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking towards the reward. Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth. That word reproach means disgrace. The NIV says it really well. Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value in the treasures of Egypt because he was looking towards the reward. Folks, make no mistake, scripture is crystal clear. Moses gave up everything, the splendor, the glory, the beauty of that palace because he knew knew that the disgrace that would result from following the Messiah was more valuable than anything that he could ever dream of in his 40 years in the palace Moses' faith was in Christ the messiah the king of heaven not the king of Egypt his faith was in the things that he couldn't uh, that he could not see not the gold and the marble and the riches and the wealth that adorned pharaoh's palace that he could see we know from scripture that in verse 26 that he looked with eyes of faith to the reward. The same reward, the same riches that Peter speaks of in 1 Peter 1. The same reward that Paul quotes in 1, Peter, in 1 Corinthians 2 from Isaiah 64, where he says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what has been kept for those who have been called by Christ. So what did Christ call Moses from? Well, we know from verse 24, Moses refused the glory of the world. By faith, by faith, Moses walked away from the utterly false religious system where Pharaoh believed he was not only king, but was actually God on earth. We know in verse 25, that Moses chose to suffer with God's people instead of the glory, because by faith Moses knew that suffering with God's people was better than the fleeting pleasures of sin. He had the eyes of faith to understand that just because a godless world does offer a lot of pleasure, that that does not automatically make it a better choice than being with God's people pleasure or fun or enjoyment are not the defining characteristics of discipleship or worship or prayer. Neither is boredom, by the way. Those things are not the defining characteristics of our relationship with Christ. But Moses knew that he was not defined by his 40 years in Egypt or defined by the choices that his parents made. He was not even defined by what the five senses find pleasurable. Folks, I do not think that it is any stretch of the imagination to hear the words of Paul in Philippians 3.8, spoken with the voice of Moses. I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have forsaken everything. Moses knew the invisible, reality over what we think we can see have we ever seen god no but blessed are those who believe yet have not seen moses faith wasn't dictated by seeing king pharaoh in a palace because even in verse 27 we read he knew who was really king because he endured as seeing him who is invisible Moses didn't trust the king he could see but had faith in the king he could not and he was proved right where is Christ right now still on the throne where is Pharaoh and where is his throne in a hundred years where will Christ be on his throne in a hundred years where will Kim Jong-un be Or the politicians and the pressure groups that are trying to push Christians out. Who knows? Where did Pharaoh, or where did the Egyptians eventually end up, according to verse 29? Drowned in the waters of judgment, while Moses led God's people through right on dry land. Folks, Why do Christians in our world suffer, as Garnet mentioned in the prayer? What convinces a man or a woman or child that to be tortured beyond anything that we can comprehend or stand up in a court in England and say things that they know will torpedo their career, what convinces people to do these things? Faith in the Son of God Who loved us and gave himself for us the same faith that moses had the same faith that drove moses to do all these things because they count the disgrace of christ as more value than anything that the world has to offer us he knew his need of christ not simply empty religious ritual that's the point of verse 28 that it was by faith not empty religious ritual thinking there was some kind of magic in the Passover bread or magic in the blood getting uh, put over the lintel Moses knew that it was Christ who would save through faith Moses had a living faith that bared uh, fruit a living faith that when we are called to go we go even if it means leaving everything that we know right behind us for the sake of Christ one thing that greatly encouraged me about Moses this week and even growing up like I love the stories of Moses but one thing that greatly encouraged me about Moses this week was that even Moses could look to Christ as his great high priest. When we read that famous verse in Hebrews 4.15, I think that is very applicable to Moses. "For For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Imagine, folks, that Moses knew his need of a high priest, of an intercessor, of a savior, of a Christ who could sympathize with his weakness. Moses had a great high priest who would leave the splendor of the the true king's palace in heaven to enter a world full of disgrace and suffering. Moses had a great high priest whose own family situation was the object of mocking and scorning. We know that from John 8, that Jesus' family situation was actually a source of attack for the Pharisees. We read, Where's your father? We're not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, God. Imagine the rumors. Oh, I heard his mother was pregnant before they got married. I heard she slept with a Roman soldier. Joseph must be an awful Egypt to believe that virgin birth stuff. Instead, Moses had a great high priest who left the splendor of the palace and who was rejected. One who came to his own, but his own received him not. The one who left a life of exaltation for a life of humiliation. But folks, a life of humiliation is not the end for Moses. Not the end of Moses' story at all. In Mark 9, 4, we read about the transfiguration. We read, there appeared Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Moses, the one who left everything because he considered the disgrace of Christ as greater wealth than anything Egypt ever had to offer. Greater value than all the fleeting pleasures of sin. We read in scripture that Moses, who he perceived by faith, is now standing face to face with Jesus Christ. Was Moses a fool to have faith in Christ? No. No. By faith, Moses reached the true promised land. The sufferings were all worth it. Because he knew Christ by faith, he is now seeing him face to face, the same as all Christians who die in Christ know. Folks, I know that following Christ sometimes feels like it absolutely stinks. You will lose friends. Family will cause you hassle. The gossips will think that they find something that they can belittle you with behind your back because everybody knows what it's like to be a Christian except Christians. The squeeze will be more on Christians in the days to come, be in no doubt. But the book of Hebrews was written to encourage believers in a very similar set of circumstances. Folks, even at this particular point, if you feel like throwing in the towel and walking away from everything, and you know, sometimes that does seem to be the sensible option. And you have people who are doing everything in their power to draw you away from Christ and to be conformed, what you need to do for them to receive their honor, their glory. Know, Christian, that you have a great high priest who is is able to sympathize with you in your weakness. One who, in every respect, has been tempted as you are, yet without sin. So, Christian, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that you may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Tonight, We thank God that we have a faithful High Priest, a merciful High Priest, a gracious High Priest, who did leave the splendor of the King's Palace to come to us, to enter our world, to die for us, to save us. The one who left everything to save us. And since we know that, Since we know we have a great high priest who has done all of that for us, the author of Hebrews, in chapter 4, tells us, let us hold fast our confession. Let us keep on going, and let us encourage one another to keep on going. Let us not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, But encourage one another. Are you encouraged? Encourage one another. All the more as we see that day drawing near. Because folks, it is no fool who lets go of what he cannot keep hold of. To hold on to the one who he cannot lose. Christ will never leave us or forsake us. We are trusting in Christ, not circumstances, nothing else. Christ alone and his word.